That was good, Jenny. I was not expecting that. <laughs> that I, I love hearing those old camp meeting songs. That's what we call them. They have a way of getting the spirit all riled up. If you don't believe me, what, look at Isabel when these songs start coming on. She starts just going all over the place. Her little Pentecostal spirit jumps in. When I was go- growing up, I was came up in the Pentecostal church some. Not a lot, because I, I grew up in the Methodist church, and I had some Baptist influence, but my sister attended the Pentecostal church, and it was awkward for me to be there because of the way that they worshipped. It wasn't how I worshipped. Um, but I remember some of those great spirit-filled songs that came from that church. Now, what a lot of people don't know about the Pentecostal church is they did not just pop up out of anywhere. They came from the United Methodist Church, the very person who started the Pentecostal movement was once within the walls of the United Methodist Church. And we can get into that another day. It is really a great story. You know, we started talking about Epiphany and the journeys that the wise men took. And when we talk about the journey, about them packing up everything and setting off on, on a new mission, on a, in a new direction, on paths unknown to discover Christ Jesus in the manger. We talk about it like it's something exciting and we take all the fear out of the journey. You know, we're real people with real emotions. And sometimes taking those new journeys can be pretty scary. And we ask ourselves sometimes that when we start these journeys or even when we begin these journeys, are we individually or as a group prepared for the things that we find on that journey? Because, see, we're accustomed to everything else. We've already built our lives around it. Not many surprises that happen. But I am here today to assure you that God has equipped you for everything that you need in life to perform the task that he has for you. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord says, Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you this morning and thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to gather in your house. And Father God, we ask that on this morning that you send your spirit into this house to to fill it with your presence, to let us feel your touch and, and hear your voice as you speak to our hearts. Father God, I ask that you empty me today of any desire to speak my own, but fill me with your spirit that every word that I would speak would be pleasing to you and would be for the edification of your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Listen to me, O coastlands. I love how Isaiah starts out that passage. He just doesn't walk casually into a conversation. He demands the audience's attention. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Hear it. Don't be distracted by anything else that's that's going on around you. I've got something important to say, and you need to hear it. That's, That's what he's saying to the people. Now, By a show of hands, how many people in here are on Facebook? 
Okay. Well, I'm not going to call anyone out, but a, a week or so ago, someone in here posted something on Facebook that was prevalent. And I read it, and, and I was amazed by it, and it was a passage of Scripture that I hadn't heard or seen in many years. Actually, the first time I ever read it was in my first church in Grovetown, Georgia. Because I think God used that message then to speak to me about what it was that I was to say to the people. And what that passage said was this, and it come from the book of Isaiah, Oh, comfort, yes, comfort my people. But see, the thing with Isaiah was this, and the article attached to that uh, gave a little bit about Isaiah's history. When we think about Isaiah, especially as ministers, we think about his mighty and powerful call. Because churches and denominations all around the world use his call to attract people into the ministry because he had such a dramatic experience. For Isaiah's call, he saw angels with six wings. And those wings, two were covering the eyes, two were covering the feet. And the room that he was in was was filled with smoke. And, And when he was in the presence of God, he said these words that, you know, I'm a lost man. I'm in trouble here because I am unholy. I am a man of unclean lips. And in that vision, he sees an angel grab a coal from the fire and touch his lips and says to him that you are now a man of clean lips. You are justified. You are saved. You are called by God. And then the voice of God comes out and says, Whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, Send me. I'll go. And that's where they end the story. And what happens is people go out in all their power and might trying to have an Isaiah experience. And they meet failure time and time again. I just read an article last night about a man that went through seminary and they use this very same tactic to inspire. And when him and all his friends went out to do church plants and they found that they, they weren't succeeding at the rate that Isaiah was or they thought that he was, they became disappointed. But here's the truth about Isaiah's call in the first part of his ministry. He wasn't called to succeed. He was called to fail. See, when after Isaiah said, I'll go, and God sent him out, And he told him to go to speak to the people of Judah. He said, how long shall I do this? And God's response was this. Until the land is uninhabited. Until the houses are empty. Because you see, Isaiah's first job was not to comfort people. It was to tell them the truth about the condition of their lives. His first call was to go into Judah to stand before the kings and stand before the people and declare the glory of God and to say to them, repent of your sins or you're going to be sent into exile. Opportunity after opportunity that he presented to the people, message after message that that he delivered, And God had no intention of anyone hearing the words that he spoke. Remarkable, isn't it? See, I don't think it was God's intention that they didn't hear. I think it was an option and the opportunity God put out there for them. See, we're not robots that that just do whatever we're programmed to do. We're people of choice. We're people of free will. We are people 
that God has chosen to love but does not make us love him. And just like Isaiah had told him, the prophecies came to pass. Nebuchadnezzar came into the land some years later. And slowly but surely carried the people into exile. And I find myself in that position quite often. It's not easy telling people the truth about things. But it is a reality that I live with. And for many of you, it's a reality that that because you know me, you live with. But I'm here to tell you today that there is salvation in your path. And that that salvation comes from God and He works it into your circumstances and into your lives through your very existence, through your purpose. Listen to me, Isaiah said. He said that He took him And he made his mouth like a sharp word. In other words, he gave you knowledge and wisdom of things to do. He gave you the ability to to look and understand, to, to rationalize and make decisions. And he gave you the ability to share that information in its proper context. Too many times what we want to do as a people is we want to share information out of context so that it benefits our own agenda. When we read the scriptures, that's how we do it. More times than not, we will pull a passage of scripture out that suits our needs and our uh, circumstances at the moment. Somebody called me up one time and said, Tommy, I want to ask you a question. Somebody that I went to high school with said, is the Bible true? Can I really and truly depend on it? I said, yes, it is. Well, they say, well, I want to claim this passage of scripture right here for me. Ask and you shall receive. I want to ask God to do this and I expect him to do it. Taken out of context to meet their own need. I said, well, let's put it into context because the context of that conversation, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. We're talking about how a people should live and honor God, how people should love one another and honor God, how people should treat one another and be active members of their community. And in the end of that conversation, when Jesus said, ask and you shall receive, what he was referring to was knowledge and information of who God is and how we apply it to our lives. It is not to say, God changed my circumstances so that it benefits me, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to hold my breath believing over and over and over again that that's what you're going to do. Because as long as I believe and I don't doubt, then it's going to happen the way I want it to happen. Those are not biblical teachings. Those teachings are theologically incorrect and are not applicable. Our lives aren't based on God doing our will. It's based on on Him doing His will in our life. We are the servants. God saved us. God provided for us. God gave us friends and, and homes and happiness and jobs. To God be the glory, not to man. But he reaches down in our lives and gives us the opportunity to be so much more. 
John brought something in for me today that I'd like to show you. I love this. It is a compound bow. I had one some years ago, and I'm not a hunter, but I love to shoot. And I love going out in the backyard and setting my arrow and drawing back and sighting in on the target and, and watching that arrow fly out. And it's the arrow that Isaiah referred to in his text. You don't think much of an arrow, do you? I mean, it's pretty much just a stick with a point on it and some, well, back in the day, feathers. Today, they're plastic. It's called fletching. This arrow will travel, what did you say, 310 feet per second? That's a lot of speed for an arrow. And I want you to think about an arrow for just a moment as it pertains to your walk with God. Today, arrows are built in a manufacturer. In the day of Isaiah, the archer had to go out and find his own arrows. Now, he didn't get to go to Walmart or Best Buy or, or Bass Pro Shop to find his arrow. He had to go into the woods and find a stick laying on the ground. And I don't know about you, but see, I grew up in the country, and I played lots of games when I was growing up with sticks, using them as, as, as guns as we played cowboys and Indians and, and all kinds of things. I even made my own bows and arrows. But I have never in my life walked in the woods and found an arrow or a stick this straight. Have, have anyone here? Nope. You see, back in the day, the archer went into the woods and he found a stick. And then he had to take that stick and put a blade to it and shave off the bark. In other words, he had to cut away the things that got in the way of that arrow traveling true and straight. Anything that would cause resistance, that would slow it down. And I think God does that in our lives sometimes. For me, he had to carve away pride. I was the most prideful person that you would have ever met back in my time. Don't tell me I'm wrong because even if you did, I'm going to find a way to make it right because I'm not going to be wrong. And it took a lot of losing and a lot of falling on my face to rid myself of the pride. I quote that passage of Scripture all the time that said pride goes before the fall for a reason. Because I don't want people to have to spend their time walking the path that I did when they can take a much shorter route because it takes time to strip away that bark. And then once they, they strip the bark and all the knots and the, all the other impurities off that stick, that stick is still not straight. Not even close to being straight. So, so they have to do something in order to do that. And what they did is they took that stick and they ran it through the fire. And that fire would, would heat up the, the fibers, I guess you would call it, of, of the wood, and, and it would make them moldable. And they would bend it. And then they would run it through the fire again and, and start shaping and molding again. And they would run it through again because it's not going to happen the first time or the second time. It takes a lot of heat to remove the deficiencies 
from that stick in order to make it an effective arrow. And that happens in life sometimes too, does it not? The the difficulties that, that we face as a people are not there to get in our way. They're not there to to stop us from moving forward. They're there to, to create in us a stronger, unique individual, a person prepared for the call that God has for them. It's a way of burning off impurities to make us more effective in what it is that God has called us to do. Now, the other thing about the arrow, and this is the part that I really love, and and Isaiah said the same thing about it, that that after he made him a polished arrow, in other words, pristine and functional, he didn't run out and show it to everybody. He didn't automatically put it in the bow and put it to use. He took that arrow and put it in the quiver. Now, In today's world, this here is the quiver. It holds the arrows until they are needed to do their job. You know, sometimes that's what God does with us. Just like an arrow, he has shaped us and he has molded us into a person that is prepared. But even though we are prepared, God may not be ready. So he may take that arrow and put it away until it's time for its use. See, we're not arrows. We're people. Real people. The arrow doesn't feel, it doesn't think, it doesn't process information, it doesn't praise God, and it doesn't deny God. It just exists. But like the arrow, we individually have been created for a purpose. And sometimes we think that we can't handle that purpose. Now, I'm going to embarrass somebody today. I walked into Pruitt Healthcare. After I had a conversation with Karen, I'm sorry, Karen. How she said she didn't think that she could do it. The difficulties and the struggles emotionally. But when I walked into that room and I saw her standing over that bed, it wasn't someone weakened that I saw. I saw a protector and a defender of human dignity. She argued 
and she fought for the rights of someone else's life to be lived in dignity. She thought that she couldn't do it. She didn't think she had it in her, but, but in that moment when it was needed, when God needed her to take care of one of his children, he pulled that arrow out of the quiver, loaded it into the bow, and sent it out into the world to do what it was intended to do. And you are the same way. And when we talk about starting new journeys in life, it is scary. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You take the first two or three steps. It's uncomfortable. We think we can't do it, and we want to run right back to where we started at. And running right back to where we started at isn't where God wanted you, because if he wanted you there, he wouldn't have put the new journey in front of you to start with. Because he knows that the land that you were once in is no longer livable. And he wants to send you into a land that is pleasant, a land that is prosperous, a land that is fruitful. But we have to be this arrow. We have to be polished. We have to be able to be willing to say that I am God's servant. He is not mine. I serve him in his will, not he in mine. When we sing the songs all the time, I surrender all, all to Jesus I give, all to God I give, I die to Jesus, and then pick up everything that we just laid down at the altar and walk out the door, then we didn't die to Jesus. We die to Jesus when we take everything in our possession, everything that we desire, everything we own and everything that we want, and we lay it down at the foot of the cross. And we say to the Father, here is my life. I will go where you send me. I will do what you send me to do. And I will say what you need me to say when and only when you say it. I will be your arrow ready for battle. And when we do those things, we overcome Fear. Fear is the greatest thing that keeps people from moving forward. Fear is the one thing that will keep people from experiencing God in new ways. And fear is the one thing that will surely lead a people to death. Because if I'm standing here today dying of thirst and God says on the other side of that wall is a fountain go get a drink of water and I take two steps into a foreign land and I'm not familiar with it but I know that there's water on the other side of that wall and I'm too scared or intimidated to move forward I'm going to start making excuses about why I can't move forward and that is not what an arrow does and then I'm going to go right back to where I started and I'm going to sit there. And I'm going to sit there. And I'm going to sit there. And not experience the things that I need in life. But if you face that fear and get beyond it, And accept the responsibilities and the duties as God has defined them. He will lead you into a land of promise. That I promise you. But nobody can make you go. Nobody can make you do it. 
think about this arrow being put into a bow. And the archer draws back and releases. And all that energy pushes that arrow forward to accomplish its mission. Consider that as God working in your life. That, that when the arrow is placed, that that's God placing you where you need to be. And when that bow is drawn back, that's God preparing to move you forward. And when he releases that arrow, that push that moves forward, is the Spirit of God himself. Now, there's another thing about an arrow also. They don't last forever. wish it was true because I've broken many arrows in my life. I'll share with you. When I was shooting, I knew my arrows, each and every one. I knew which one was going to shoot straight and true. I knew which one was going to veer off to the left and to the right. But I had one that was my my crazy arrow that when I when I shot it out, and I'm pointing it at you because I want you to see uh, the movement that it made. When an arrow comes out of the boat, it doesn't shoot straight. It wobbles. It's flexing. It's got to find its, its sweet spot, and then it levels out. And it should go at a trajectory up and down into the target. Never goes straight. It goes up and down into the target. But my arrow, my, my, what I call my crazy arrow, did this. When it came out of the bow, it went like this. Literally, you could watch it with your eyes. It would make a big loop as it went forward, and then it would finally hit the target. And what I had to learn to, was this, is that, that my arrow that was once strong had become weak. Because every time you fire it and it makes impact with something, the energy goes through the shaft. And eventually, that energy wears and tears the shaft. It makes it weaker, makes the arrow less agile. If that happens with us in life, we're going to be honest, okay? I am older than what I used to be. Every time I turn around, I think I'm one leg up, but then something happens and I don't move as fast as I used to. I don't think as fast as I used to. I'm not as strong as I used to. My Somebody came up to me today, God bless her, I love you, said, had to share something with me out of love, said, Tommy, you're putting on a little weight, you might want to watch it. At my age... Oh, it's true. And I love her for telling me. My body slows down. Metabolism slows down. But it doesn't mean I'm ineffective. It doesn't mean God's going to take me and throw me away. Now, I may have to regulate what I do. Maybe I can't do all the things I used to do, but I still can do something. So I guess what I'm saying to you today is this. That we are God's people called and chosen. And there is not one single mistake in this room. And whether your work is in the ministry, in a church, whether it's taking care of somebody else in your home, or it's the profession that God called you to, you are equipped to do what God called you to do. You are equipped 
to face the future and know that there is a land of promise ahead of you. Hold on to your faith. Give your life to God and walk in victory knowing that he is with you now and always. He didn't leave you in the past. He's not going to leave you now. Face fear with a certainty of faith and let God have his will in your life. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for this time that you've given us to come together. Father, we thank that. Thank you for the music that you've given us. We thank you for the words that, that you've given us through the scriptures, through the experiences of other people. And Father, we ask that, that as we move into our tomorrow, that, that we move like an arrow, that we're polished, that we are prepared. And let us know, Father God, that, that we are prepared. Inspire us to do your will. Help us to, to lay down at the cross those things that stand in our way and give us visions of hope and of prosperity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face on you. May the Lord lift up upon you and give you peace. Amen.